Hello, everyone. I'm Dalton Britta. I'm Nick Iricchio. And we are the Movie Knights. Well, some of us. If you're watching this, because you want to hear our uncensored, unfiltered thoughts and opinions on the world of movies and entertainment news, so kick back, relax, and thank you for being part of the conversation. We have an interesting show today. A lot of it revolves around one ongoing story. Yes, it does. But an either interesting way. interesting one at that. Yes, a very interesting one. But either way, lots to get to. Nicholas, start us off. All right. Our first story comes to us from Deadline. After successfully relaunching the franchise with 2021's Ghostbusters Afterlife, Sony Pictures is ramping up pre-production on the sequel with the film's writer and executive producer Gil Keenan set to take over the directing reins. Sources tell Deadline that Jason Reitman, who directed the previous pick, will move into the writer-producer role alongside co-scribe Keenan and Jason Blumenfeld. Yes, thank you so much for bringing that in, and I have mixed feelings about it. Because I loved Ghostbusters Afterlife. It was a huge, pleasant surprise, personally. Yeah, I think it was in my top five last year. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, having Jason Reitman step down as a director hurts to mm-hmm. see. Because I think, he one, he's just an amazing filmmaker in his own right. And uh, this guy, the only movie he's directed that I've enjoyed was Monster House. But I really like Monster House. What else has he directed? Do you know? Uh, he's done a few. My they're leaving my brain right now, but they're not great. Like I did a quick yeah. search. Uh, Monster House, uh, City of Ember, and a 2015 Poltergeist movie. Yes, all sitting at about five stars on IMDb. That's just what I quickly looked at. For yeah, him. yeah. So um, not the best track record, but he was one of the writers on Afterlife. Yes. So he has, he's been around, He's gonna, he knows the story well. It's not like they're just pulling someone out of nowhere. I'm cautiously optimistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's made a good film before Monster House. He's clearly a established director in making other films, whether, whether or not they be great or not. But, like I said, co-write the first movie. I'm going to see how this plays out. Although I do wish Jason Reitman was directing. You're the big Ghostbusters fan of the group. So I need your thoughts on this. I'm just happy to get a sequel to it because I always <laughs> like more Ghostbusters. Um, I'm hesitant on it. Mm-hmm. I am happy that they're going with someone who has familiarity with the project and that uh, Jason Reitman is still staying on as a writer and executive producer. on yes. it. So he is going to have some creative sway in the overall picture. Mm-hmm. Jason Reitman is a fantastic director and a very nuanced director. Yes. When you look at the subtlety that he's able to bring to his films and the character performance he's able to take out of it and everything just doesn't feel, it feels grounded Mm -hmm. with the dialogue and everything. And even when you have elements like Ghostbusters Afterlife, the story itself, the characters all felt like very real people, especially like the, um, uh, Carrie Coon's character in as the mom. Yes. Like that felt like, you know, and those sorts of elements mixed with the fantastical of like the ghosts and everything like that, it all meshed together very well for me. And he's done that with like you know, Juno, all his uh, up in the air, right? That was him as well. Mm-hmm. So now when you're looking at, now we have someone whose track record, well, I enjoy Monster House too, but that's solely animated. Mm-hmm. You know, Poltergeist, uh, City of Ember. I have not seen these, but looking at critically, like, online, haven't had the best, haven't had the worst. Yeah. So when you're going from a director of that caliber to one whose track record is not to say you can't pull it off, but Mm -hmm. I do have some hesitation on that. But we'll see. We'll see indeed. That's the name of the game. And for anyone who's unfamiliar with Jason Reitman's work, 
please watch Thank You for Smoking. It's a great movie. I haven't seen Thank You for Smoking. What's that one about? It's basically this, uh, it's Aaron Eckhart from uh, Dark Knight and, you know, I Frankenstein. I don't know why that immediately. Yo, I I was I Frankenstein. I don't know why that immediately came to my brain. (laughs) I Frankenstein's great. It's bad. Oh my God, it's bad. (laughs) It's not good. But is it incredible? Yes. Um, but he plays like Big Tobacco's chief spokesperson. Okay. And he's trying to do that job while also being a role model to his kid who yeah. he kind of has an estranged relationship with. And it's just like a character piece. It's re- it's really, really good. Well, that's what we call a letterboxed edition yes. to the watch list. Yes. Oh, do my that. God. What a poster. Yeah. What a poster. Am I allowed to show? Yeah, of course. Go ahead. What a poster. Uh-huh. Nice. Yes. Amazing movie. Screw you, audio listeners. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Thank you for listening. But uh, but what do you guys think about Ghostbusters Afterlife getting this new filmmaker? Do you think it'll be good? Do you think it'll be bad? Let us know in the comments as we move on to our next story. Nicholas, what do you got for us Our next? next story comes to us from Deadline. Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav isn't happy with Netflix. <laughs> the ex of Zaslav thirsts for blood and it looks like it's Netflix's this time. Oh, yes. Uh, the crux of this issue being that David Zaslav is unhappy with the way that Netflix deals are being structured. Mm-hmm. Essentially, they're paying producers over the course of 18 to 24 months. This is not a new discovery, however. Netflix changed the way that it parses its payments out a few years ago. Either way, they upset David Zaslav. Yes, Which yes. is never good. Never good. You want to stay away from that axe. Yep. So basically, um, here's what's kind of going on. David Zaslav is taking a new approach to streaming in that, yes, while he does want to promote HBO Max, because obviously it's owned by Warner Brothers, he doesn't think that everything that they produce needs to be on HBO Max. He wants to sell that to other distributors so that something that's Warner Brothers property can play on other platforms, and it's almost like free promotion, because not only, instead of paying for your ad to play somewhere else, they're literally being paid to play their stuff somewhere else. Yeah. So it's like a win-win in advertising, and you get to make some money off of it, and we all know Zaslav loves his fucking money. Well, basically, a couple of shows that Warner Brothers produces are on Netflix, one of them being Robert Downey Jr.'s Sweet Tooth series, and another of them, the bigger one being Sandman, you know, the big phenomenon hit that Mm -hmm. just came out a few months ago. Well, Zaslav has just realized how Netflix likes to be paid. They like to be paid over to like an 18 to 24-month period of time. He's not a fan of it, and it looks like from now on, that's not going to be the case. We are not going to see things go to Netflix from Warner Brothers. Now, I should point out, some of you may be thinking, oh my god, is Sandman canceled? Neil Gaiman did tweet out uh, either last night or this morning, mm-hmm. of the time of this recording, that Sandman's safe, don't worry about it. So I assume it will remain at Netflix, and that they're just it's just going to be a no more series will go to Netflix. So he's severing all ties. With Netflix, probably. He was like, change it. They said no. Yeah. Now, I think this is just for content produced for Netflix. Any okay. licensing agreement, I think he'll keep that going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, so yeah. Now, this also aligns with a few weeks ago in which we heard, we didn't report it on the show, mm-hmm. but we heard somebody with um, Warner Brothers and DC specifically saying that they're going to start developing animated content for Amazon. Mm-hmm. Because we had heard that they were canceling a lot of animated shows on HBO Max, and we were like, I wonder what that's all about. Well, it looks like Amazon may be the new home for them. And like I said, being paid to promote DC on Amazon, of course you would do that. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the whole strategy for those who are trying to wrap your head around what's going on there. But it looks like they are done so with Netflix because of how they get paid. Now, if you want to ask me, 
How come being pegged like this pisses him off? I'm going to be real with you guys. I have no idea. I am not that smart. And the article did not really yes. specify But that. here's what I will say. Them not going to Netflix for things like this creates a whole new element to the streaming wars that we didn't even think about. Because mm-hmm. the streaming wars was originally about who can make the beefiest, best streaming service. Well, he's kind of adding to that saying, okay, who are we going to allow to hold our stuff? Yeah. Which is a whole new element that I think other studios might start taking part in. Especially because we there were some reports going around, this hasn't been confirmed, that Amazon for the first time passed Netflix in subscribers. Oh, wow. We don't know this. And you have to take it with a grain of salt because Prime is in that also. Mm-hmm. So, we'll see. Mm-hmm. But... What are your thoughts on Zaslav kind of severing ties for content produced for Netflix? I mean, they have the streaming service, so why not put it on that? I understand from the advertising perspective, mm-hmm. but if you're making content that you think is great content, you would want that draw to your streaming service. Yes. Me watching Sandman on Netflix, I feel like isn't promoting anything Warner Brothers for me other mm-hmm. than giving them the viewership. Yeah. You know, but me going, mm. That was good. Who's the studio that made that? I want to go see. Oh, HBO. Oh, they have a streaming. You know, I feel yeah. like that's not the mm-hmm. the chain that things happen in. Yeah. So if you're going to make good quality content, why not? wouldn't you want it on your service? Yeah. Um, in terms of the payment, I wish that the article kind of went in more for the 18 to 24 months. Like, yeah. Does he want it longer? Like, are these uh, payment deals like supposed to be like three years worth of payment and they're yeah. having to rush that? Or is it... They want it up front, out of their books. Yeah, it's done. They don't have to think about it. Yeah, you know, I, I I wish I knew. I feel bad that I don't know because normally yeah. I like to be the person to explain how industry stuff works. And I I don't know. Well, I mean that's it's not out there. Yeah, that information. Netflix mm-hmm. is so close guarded about. Yeah, and anything. they don't reveal shit about shit. Glass Onion ever. was literally in theaters, and we don't have a grasp on how it did. Yeah, we estimate <laughs> like there yeah. was people who had to calculate things yeah. individually and estimate. They how were much it actual was. genuine estimates yeah. Yeah, yeah. the entire time yeah um but i i think what, what's even more interesting about all this because i mean i think zazab's right if they're not gonna mm-hmm. put the content in yours call it a day have your licensing agreement if netflix is gonna be trouble to do business with don't do business with them mm-hmm. amazon though is sneaking up on everyone they are. let's take away the subscriber thing aside because mm-hmm. we're not sure about that right yeah. But now there's the potential for them to be having DC animated content. Mm-hmm. And as we reported last show, two shows ago, three shows ago. Recently. Sony sold the live action Spider-Man TV rights mm-hmm. to Amazon. Mm-hmm. So Amazon is going to be a hub where you can watch Marvel and DC content. Yep. Be it live action Spider-Verse and animated DC. Animated DC. And DC animated has always been strong mm-hmm. that is a you know, any of the animated batman series the justice league series yep. all of the movies do very well mm-hmm. um so that's just good on amazon for having that i mean yeah. it's good for the big corporation mm-hmm. but um, yeah right yes well done you <laughs> bought money um but in terms of the the greater aspect of like the streaming wars itself that's such an interesting concept that they're like give it to all of us why not mm-hmm. and amazon produces a lot of good content as well like i'm a big fan of the boys and uh 
the animated show Invincible. So clearly they know how to handle both live action and animated superhero content already. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the most interesting. <laughs> Zazav's like, fine, you don't want it. Yeah. We'll go to someone else. Look how many services there are. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's also crazy because the reason why, because like I, to- I definitely see your point of like, why not just put it on our service? Yeah. A thousand percent. That's the logical route. But the only way to recuperate, because all these streaming services, by the way, are in insurmountable debt. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is because they spend so much money on content. And the only way to make your money back is by getting the number of subscribers to pay for what you just spent on that show, which in most cases is impossible, right? So, like, for example, the Gray Man costing $200 million. Yes. They need to get $200 million worth of, of subscribers new subscribers off of that movie being on their service. Yes, which was never going to happen. But, like, how do you even track that, too, to begin with? You look at the dates as to when trailers and stuff drop for yeah. that. Which is why they play the trailers close to the vest at Netflix. Mm-hmm. And then how many people signed up to watch it? How much money did we get from those people? Yeah. And how many people quit after the movie came out? It's almost like, though, having your trailer play so close to the movie doesn't give it enough time to market the yeah, movie. Yeah, exactly. But this is why, the reason why I'm pulling this up is this is why people are like, okay, we just spent a lot of money making a show. We're not going to make that money back by putting it on a streaming service. Yeah oh, this streaming service is going to pay us our production budget, maybe even more, for them to stream it. Okay. Yeah. We just made our money back on the show, you know, and that's another route of going that way. Now, also with streaming, though, is what we're now seeing a huge uptick in is commercials are back. People are making new ad tiers because now this is how I think streaming services are going to really get out of debt. This went on a tangent but this is really important stuff yeah netflix for example i agree with you that their ad tiers are shit but their their stock is going to go up when they fix it i'm still on that but stranger things is available with ads Mm -hmm. they are going to get so many advertisers and advertising dollars who want to put their shit in front of Stranger Things. Mm -hmm. And they're going to make more money than they imagine possible because of ads. So you have ads, you have outsourcing, you have all this new stuff that's happening in streaming. It's going to be really interesting to see how it all plays out. I am fascinated by that. Well, because isn't isn't Disney Plus coming out with an ad tier as well? Yes, and they're making the ad tier the amount that you currently pay for the non-ad tier. Yeah. Bitches. Was this a JPEG mandate or an Iger mandate? Oh, it, it was a JPEG. I'm upset either way. But Iger's not going to fix it. But I'll give Iger a hug and say, you messed up. It's okay. <laughs> it happens. JPEG, I'll be like, God damn it. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a good point, too, about the advertising. But it, what fascinates me is, like, all of these streaming services, it feels like it feels like they had an idea and just got in way over their head. Mm-hmm. Like, they were like... Now they all just want to be production companies. And I think their issue now is all of them focusing more on producing the content instead of being just a hub for the content. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's exactly right. But they don't know what they don't know how to get the money back. Mm -hmm. But I think it's stupid for them to be buying all this content or producing all this content to then just sell to other companies like cool. 
your production studio then you're not a streaming service yeah exactly you're streaming your content you have yeah. a streaming service but mm-hmm. you are a production company because you are selling to other places yeah and i think that's odd to me it's it's odd but i basically i see both mm-hmm. i see the reasoning for both and i think the reason zaslav feels like he can do this yeah is because hbo max is already such a big deal you know, yeah. like if it was if it was a new streaming service, like if it, like if a new streaming service came out that Zazzle was running and he was selling shows, that would not be a good sign. Mm-hmm. But I think now you can get away with it a little bit more, especially with properties that he probably wasn't sure about, like Sandman. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure that deal happened before he was even there anyway. Yeah. But yeah, streaming is getting real interesting. That was the whole point of this story. Basically. What it's do you guys? Tangent, though. Yeah, it was. What do you guys think of David Zaslev kind of severing ties in terms of producing content for Netflix <laughs> specifically? Let us know in the comments as we move on to our next story. And this one, guys, is a doozy. So prepare yourselves. All right. So the way we're going to break this up is it's one massive story that's told across three different articles. Yes. So the overarching story here is that Wonder Woman 3, directed by Pat- written and directed by Patty Jenkins, is no longer happening at Warner Brothers, HBO, DC, or just anywhere else because... Yeah. No one else has the rights. Yeah. Now we're going to break into what the fuck happened. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to start with The Hollywood Reporter. Multiple sources are telling The Hollywood Reporter that Patty Jenkins' Wonder Woman 3 is not moving forward and is considered dead in its current incarnation. Sources say that Patty Jenkins recently submitted her treatment, co-written with Jeff Johns, and that James Gunn and Peter Safran, CEOs of co-CEOs of... DC Studios, mm-hmm. as well as Warner Brothers Pictures co-chairs and co-CEOs Michael DeLuca and Pamela Abdi broke the news to the filmmaker telling her the project, as it stood, did not fit in with the new but still unfolding plans of the DC universe. Yes. And with that Hollywood Reporter article, we should point out, that person who wrote that went on to speculate like that was what they reported. Yes. Then they went on to speculate that Man of Steel 2 is probably dead, yeah. that Black Adam 2 is probably dead, that they're going to do a total complete reboot of the DCU, James Gunn and Peter Safran because they're this week presenting their plan to Zaslav. I hope some of it leaks. It probably won't. But <laughs> I we honestly we probably won't hear about the new plan till Comic-Con. I think at Comic-Con they're going to here's a bunch of stuff. Yeah. yeah. But regardless as the story continued to unfold last week, what did another article have to say about it? Um, our next article comes to us from Deadline. According to those in the know, it was Patty Jenkins who walked away from uh, the studio after receiving notes on the treatment that she submitted. Apparently, her threequel pitch had character arc problems that rivaled those of Wonder Woman 1984, the sequel to Wonder Woman. The group... Mentioned in the previous quote, provided notes. Jenkins fought back and defended her vision that the threequels character arcs were solid. Jenkins was given the opportunity for another pass at the script, but opted to walk. So it got more juicy. Hollywood reporters saying that the project was dead, implying that the project was denied and canceled. And you have deadlines saying that, hey, we're going to give you notes on the treatment. Do you mind changing it up a bit? And then Patty Jenkins saying, absolutely not. And then that being the end of the project. Then it got way funnier. With this next story. And this next quote comes to us from The Wrap. According to one insider, Patty Jenkins refused and let uh, DeLuca and Abdi know that they were wrong and that they didn't understand her, didn't understand the character, didn't understand character arcs, and didn't understand what she was trying to do. 
To underscore her point, according to the first insider, Patty Jenkins sent an email to DeLuca that ended with a link to the Wikipedia definition of character arc. That's fucking awesome. Like, I just want to say, like, even if it was the worst script in history, which I don't know, it could have been great, it could have been bad, I've never read it. That is just so funny. (laughs) The audacity. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's James Cameron level shit. Like, that, we love that. We, I love when directors are savage like that. But anyway, um, let's, let's kind of dive into some more stuff here. Because in between those articles coming out across the days, James Gunn started tweeting. Mm-hmm. And something he tweeted, I'm paraphrasing, was in regard to the Hollywood Reporter article, he said, hey, some of, some of what you read in that is true, and some of what you read in that is not true. And people thinking... Some, and some of it's not decided. And some of it's not decided. So some people thinking like, oh, so when the article turned to speculation about rebooting the DCU, maybe that's what was speculation, right? And then you have people at, in that Deadline article saying like, hey, all that other stuff that they speculated about, like Man of Steel 2, Black Adam 2, like we have not heard any of that. Like that's speculation, right? Mm-hmm. And then some James Gunn decided to just go on Twitter and start you know, responding to people. And someone actually tweeted, James Gunn doesn't like Henry Cavill. And James Gunn responded, that's not true. (laughs) So it's just like, we have no idea what's going on with anything. And I just want answers, first of all. But secondly, I I think that the initial report that like the whole DCU is getting rebooted, which is something that we've discussed that we felt like they should have done a long time ago. Mm -hmm. There is something in the articles, though, that I wanted to point out. I believe it was the rap article or the deadline article. One of the articles said that before James Gunn and Peter Saffron were brought on, DeLuca and Abdi, the new heads of pictures at Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. had the idea of doing one more Justice League movie with the ones we know and then rebooting, which is an idea that we've floated around a lot mm-hmm. before. Now that James Gunn and Peter Saffron are here, who knows what they're going to do? I think there's evidence that they're going to reboot the thing, and I think there's evidence that they're not going to reboot the thing. So it's very conflicting. But here's what we know for sure is true. Wonder Woman 3, in its current iteration, is not happening. Unless Patty Jenkins wants to come back and do another treatment, which it doesn't seem like she wants to, Mm -hmm. it's dead. And I don't think they're going to be pursuing another filmmaker as of now. Although I have heard from several sources that they like Gal Gadot. And they want to keep her. Well, what's interesting, too, is the day before all of this dropped, mm-hmm. Gal Gadot tweeted out. I just pulled it up. Mm-hmm. Um, she tweeted the day before all this came out. A few years ago, it was announced that I was going to play Wonder Woman. I've been so grateful for the opportunity to play such an incredible, iconic character. And more than anything, I'm grateful for you, the fans. Can't wait to share her next chapter with you. Now, that can be read a few different ways. Yes. Did she know about this at the time mm-hmm. and is confirming that she's staying in the character? Mm-hmm. Or did she tweet this not knowing and just like, I haven't said thanks to the fans of Wonder Woman for a bit. I, I, I see this two different ways. Yeah. Because what we don't know, we don't know if she will do it without Patty. Because mm-hmm. she's been very, very loyal to Patty Jenkins. They are very tight. Yes. Yeah. So here's what we need. Here's the speculation. Did she tweet this thinking that Patty submitted a treatment and that it was going to get accepted and yeah. knew that a story was coming out soon that like, oh, it's ready to go. And then it backfired. Or did she know it was denied and was telling fans ahead of time like, hey, Patty's gone, but I'm still here. Mm-hmm. We don't know. 
We don't know, Nicholas. And that's kind of the whole thing. And James Gunn even also reaffirming, saying, like, I'm sorry, but you're just going to have to wait. Like, we're, we're still... Yeah. We're not going to make everyone happy. So, so here's why I think they're not going to completely reboot it. Mm-hmm. I don't think James Gunn's going to completely reboot the DC Universe because he has two projects in the current DC Universe. And you... Oh, no, okay. You can't... Even I will be rubbed a little bit the wrong way if they say everything is not canon except for the stuff that I made. Like, that would be fucked up. <laughs> that would be so fucked up. And in the current DCU, they're going to call it DCU now, Harcourt, played by his wife, was in Black Adam. So it's like, are there, is he just going to be like, nope. <laughs> how like, much nepotism is going on? Like, how much is happening here? Yeah. But also... If he did completely reboot the thing, I'd be a little bit impressed. I don't want that. I mean, I kind of and don't want that to happen. I'm mixed about it. But if he did do that, I'd be a little bit impressed of being like, even your own projects? I'm that okay, you know? That would make me sad because his projects are my favorite in yes, the DCU. But, but I don't think that that will happen, right? And I, I also don't think... I saw, I saw, you know, obviously I love Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yeah. I love the movies he made for the DC Universe. I think that's done. There was some hope that maybe he would at least get to finish out the story. I don't think so anymore. I would not be shocked if at some point we got an air cut release, though. Mm-hmm. But I, was thinking I think about that's done. This, mm-hmm. And I think that there's a. I think that you can get away with having a shared cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. That is completely isolated from each other. Mm-hmm. You could say this is all happening so far away from everything mm-hmm. that you don't need, you know. Just make the Batman number one. Have the Gotham corner. Yeah. Have the Metropolis corner. Say they're on the same planet. Why not? Mm-hmm. And just go from there. Now, tonally is the thing and leaving Matt Reeves alone. But... Yeah. Just a different Earth. And it's a crisis. They have crisis on Infinite Earth, which is clearly yeah. what they're going to do. And I wouldn't be surprised if we get some, like, Justice League type thing. It pans out from our Earth and, like, goes through, like, a wormhole and then we just land yeah. on another Earth. And it's like, and we're going to follow this story now. Yeah. Well, honestly, what I would like to see, because the articles have mentioned that Matt Reeves and Todd Phillips are being left alone. Yes. As they should be. Yes. But something that I would be interested in seeing. Todd Phillips Joker. Yes. Yes. Okay. Something that I'd be interested in seeing. I would love for them to just come out and say, hey. Mm-hmm. Here's the entire DC multiverse. Here's all the Earths where everything takes place. Yeah. And just tell us. Like, what's this? What's this? What's Zack Zack Snyder's Earth the official Earth? Is it not the official Earth? Because that's also the big question is the Flash movie. Because we know the Flash movie is hugely tied in and crossovered with the DC universe. Mm -hmm. Something that these articles also pointed out is that Henry Cavill, they casually dropped this in there. Like, it wasn't news. Henry Cavill shot scenes for The Flash, like, a few months ago. Yeah. We don't know if they're going to be in there, though. They might just drop it. They might just drop it. Well, because now there's reports saying that, because with Aquaman 2, originally Michael Keaton was going to be in Saying that it. there's no Batman at all in it now. Yeah, there's no Batman. Yeah. Because Michael Keaton filmed for it, and then The Flash got pushed, everything got pushed, which meant that Batgirl was coming out before Aquaman. Mm-hmm. So they had to then get Ben Affleck to come in as Bruce Wayne to yeah. refilm the scenes that Michael Keaton did. But yeah. then they scrapped Batgirl, and now they're just like, fuck it, get rid of Batman. Yeah, and so it's it's a whole mess. And honestly, I'm here's what I really, really think is going to happen. Mm-hmm. 
Right now, the plan they're going to pitch is a both and. It's a reboot and it's not. Because they're not going to stop if Aquaman 2 makes a billion dollars. Yeah, why would you? If Blue Beetle makes a shit ton of money. Yeah. Like, they're not just going to be like, oh, that's done now. You know? Mm -hmm. Because the advantage of having movies come out next year is that you have an entire year to work on stuff. But that's assuming that those movies are part of what's going on. Mm -hmm. Just tell us. Because uh, the reason why I brought up Flash earlier is because that movie is going to determine which Justice League movie is canon. Mm-hmm. We have no reason to believe that the Zack Snyder one is, although I would like it to be. Yeah. Because there's evidence for both. Like, reasons that it is not canon is we've seen some footage from The Flash, and it just looks tonally like that movie. And having Ben Affleck and be in it, while they had somewhat of a relationship in Zack Snyder's Justice League, they had more scenes together in the theatrical one evidence for it they got the same actress who was cut out and put back in Zack Snyder's Justice League to play Iris West Mm -hmm. in The Flash Uh, Kiersey Clemens yes so it's like what is going on and what what, because I've heard rumors I don't know this please don't take this to the bank as a scoop right I've heard that The Flash is the days of future past of the DCU Mm. and that it just undoes a bunch of stuff which is gonna piss so many people off but it undoes a bunch of stuff and then you just start with like a new thing detective chimp movie yes i agree yes but like i've heard that they surprise surprise in the flashpoint story there's going to be some time traveling and world multiverse traveling yeah i've heard we go back to man of steel oh wow and man of steel ends differently Mm -hmm. and it affects everything That'd be interesting. It'd be interesting. I can't wait for the internet, <laughs> but it would be interesting. Uh, here's the thing, too. I mean, this is just... They're trying to course correct, and they brought in new people who want mm-hmm. to have their creative vision. They don't want to be tied to previous regimes. Mm-hmm. It's just turbulent times Yeah, is really what it is. But what's interesting, too, is going back to like Patty Jenkins specifically... I really like the first Wonder Woman. Yeah. I do. I did not like Wonder Woman 84. Yeah. It had a bunch of issues. I was not a fan of it. And it did have its own issues, too, with the day and date, not opening, during, you know, mm-hmm. losing L.A., New York. It did not make money. Yeah. Did not make money. It still wasn't good, though. Plenty of movies that are good don't make money. And Patty Jenkins also made or wrote a rogue squadron movie for star Wars. Yep. That is no longer happening. Yep. So what's going, is she like just half-assing these project scripts and like going, you know, or are they just good? And she's just stuck in these like turbulent times on both ends. I don't know what's going on. I have no idea what's going on. Cause with the first one, and is it uh hurt locker? Was that her? No, not her. That was Catherine Bigelow. Uh, what else? Did, uh, she did Monster. Monster is yeah. what I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. Monster with Monster and Wonderwood, both amazing movies. Yeah, and very well directed and written. I think she wrote both as well, right? Or with, with I don't know about the first Wonder Woman. I know she wrote. She co-wrote okay. the second one. Yeah. Oh well. Because she came yeah. in. Well, Wonder Woman had mm-hmm. director Michelle McLaren of Breaking Bad fame, mm-hmm. and then she was fired in pre-production, or she left in pre-production, oh, and Patty Jenkins came on. Okay. Interesting. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's from a writing standpoint then? Like maybe she's just 
writes the script she wants to make, but just can't write a good one. But I don't know. Because she's not a bad director. I, I think a perspective that needs to be taken into account is this. Yeah. When Wonder Woman came out, mm-hmm. Warner Brothers was under the leadership of Kevin Sujihara. Yes. When Wonder Woman 1984 came out, Wonder Woman was under the leadership of Walter Hamada. Mm-hmm. Now it's under the leadership of a new person. So maybe her perspective is, I'm not going to listen to your fucking notes because you're not going to be here next year. Yeah. And I'll just ask that person. <laughs> like, like honestly, like if you were her in that yeah. position of just like, you're going to be gone in a year anyway. I'm not listening to you. Like maybe s- that's it. That would have been so interesting too to watch uh, three different movies in the same franchise helmed under different creative Com- teams. Completely different eras. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. I didn't even think of that. Mm-hmm. But it either sucks that these are not getting made or maybe we're just saving ourselves from a bad movie. Either way, I hope Patty Jenkins finds I hope Patty something. Je- I here's what I hope out of all of this. I yes. hope Patty Jenkins gets to direct a fucking another movie that is great. Mm-hmm. She deserves that. Yes. I hope that we get to see more Wonder Woman. Because obviously James Gunn, part of his plan is going to be fucking Wonder Woman. Of course it is. I mean, they're going to prioritize Batman the Trinity, Superman, Wonder Woman. How absolutely. Do you, how do you yes, he even tweeted the other day saying Superman is, if not the top priority. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, um, but with that being said, I hope she gets a great movie. I hope that the DC Universe does well. Winning cures everything. If they make a bunch of great movies in a row, mm-hmm. we'll all forget about them. Probably. We'll see. It all depends. <laughs> yeah. And again. If all the movies that come out next year flop, mm-hmm. new game plan. You know, like there's, it really is dependent on that. I love that with like the character of Flash, let's say, they literally just have a reset button that they can activate whenever. Whenever they want. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funny. They have just a built in like fail safe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and here's the thing a lot of people still wondering, like, the Flash movie keeps getting pushed. Ezra Miller's doing terrible things. Like, what's going on? Is that movie going to get canceled? Mm-hmm. That movie has screened, te- test screen, a handful of times. This is true. Each test screening, even with the little changes that they make, mm-hmm. scores off the chart. Wow. Like, they're saying it's great. I hope... Not I hope. It would be funny if it came out and it was not great. Mm-hmm. But I love Andy Muschietti. I want that guy to get a win so badly. Yeah. So I hope it's great. We'll see. I hope he gets to stick around and gets to play a little bit. I more. hope so too. And also, I've heard, don't run this with this story either. I've heard that James Mangold wants in DC. Ooh, really? That he wants in big time. I wonder what brought him to that. Is he a comic boy? Uh, is he a comic book guy? Come on, Nicholas. <laughs> Whoopsies. Um, interesting. Tangent. Who would you like to see him pick up? That's a good one. Wonder Woman 3. <laughs> uh, honestly... Lobo. Ooh, that's good. But I mean, that's just because Lobo's been in the news lately. I yeah. mean, he he'd be great for a new Batman. He'd be great for all kinds of stuff. What a mangled Green Lantern. Oh see? no, 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 no! James Mangled Martian Manhunter. There you go. There we have it, folks. <laughs> 
Oh, uh, yes. But anyway, we dove into a lot from that one story. Yes, we did. What do you guys think about Wonder Woman 3 being canceled? The only thing that's true, like 100% true in that story. <laughs> and what do you think about all the speculation? Please let us know what you think in the comments as we move on to the B-roll. Nicholas, what is the B-roll? B-roll, we only have two stories, actually, for the B-roll today. The mm-hmm. first coming to us from Variety. Mm-hmm. Um, Taylor Swift was in the news, uh, obviously, with the release of the Midnight's album, but yep. also because she directed the 10 minute uh short film for her song all too well yes all too well taylor's version um to which she i believe got a few actually awards for directing yes uh for it as well well that short music video has now led into her making her feature directing debut for searchlight pictures now what's interesting about this is um searchlight uh is the studio behind nomadland the shape of water uh, and most recently from uh, this year, uh, hold on, it's out at the end, uh, The Menu, which was great, and yeah. The Banshees of Inishirin, yeah. which was also great. They make Oscar RC so, movies. So you have two Best Picture winners, yeah, and you have two movies that I can tell you right now- Will be nominated. <laughs> will be nominated. Well, well menu, not, not The Menu. Menu menu could get a script, I, maybe. Not not if- No, Banshees is going to get yeah, a lot. Yeah. Um, two movies that I will say are in my top five of this year so far and will most likely remain there. Yeah. Now, when we look at her acting, uh, you know, Valentine's Day, Cats, Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Okay. But All Too Well was very well directed. Uh, there is a script. There is no plot or cast or anything given out yet, just that it's an original mm-hmm. script written by Swift herself. Yes. All Too Well, Taylor's version, 90 Minutes. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> um, this is interesting. Yes. Uh, all I'll say is I haven't watched it all too well, mm-hmm. but I've heard it's a great video. Like, I've heard nothing but positive things about it. I'm going to remain cautiously optimistic. I would love nothing more than Taylor Swift to make, like, the best fucking movie ever made, and it would be hilarious to me. Like, I might quit. <laughs> but um, hearing Taylor Swift directing a movie, I go, eh. Hearing Searchlight is making it, I'm like, Okay, like it must yeah. be. It must be. They must think it's something special then because they don't just throw money out to mm-hmm. everybody. So count me down as curious. What's next in the B-roll? Our next story comes to us from Deadline. Mike Flanagan of uh, The Midnight Mass, of Doctor Sleep, of The Haunting series on Netflix. Um, him and Trevor Macy, his uh, writing partner, producing partner, reveal that they are working on a Dark Tower series adaptation in the work at amazon yes um with that they have plans for five seasons of the dark tower which would eventually lead into two feature films so they are packed for the next 10 years yes basically what that means oh yeah um that's pretty much really the big story with that uh mostly them also leaving netflix Netflix. Mm -hmm. to go to amazon uh, that has nothing to do with like the cancellation of Midnight Club, which mm-hmm. I know Mike Flanagan is very upset about. Yeah, and tweeted out the entire storyline for season two, <laughs> which is great. Which is also a baller move. Yeah. Um. Honestly, though, the main thing I'm getting out of this, I haven't seen The Dark Tower. I know there were there was the movie with Idris Elba, Matthew McConaughey. I think there have been a few different iterations of it as yep. well. Mm-hmm. None of them done well. That's but, why you bring in the Flanagan baby. But maybe this time. Here's what I'll say. Mike Flanagan mm-hmm. adopted, adopted, has adapted Stephen King before and done it very well. Twice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
He's one of the best people in horror working today. He's one of the best directors working today. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say that because that man does not get enough credit. Mike Flanagan is awesome. Also, The Haunting of Hill House in my top five series of all time. Unbelievable. Bly Manor is great too. Midnight Mass, also great. Banger after banger after banger. And you got movies like Dr. Sleep, like Oculus. No one talks about Oculus. It's such a good horror movie. And others too, like Hush, like Gerald's um, Gerald's game, Gerald's is the game. other uh, Stephen King adaptation. Yeah. Great filmmaker. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. I I will I will check it out because it's him. Like that's <laughs> that's that's where that leads. And uh, that would conclude the B roll. But before we move on to uh, the next part of our show, I just want to take a minute and do a, some quick housekeeping. While we love to have you join us and watch on YouTube, we get that life gets busy. You're constantly running around, or maybe you just don't like to see our faces, especially Nick's. So if you're listening, Pleasure, the Movie Nights Roundtable is available in audio-only form on Spotify, Apple, Google, and all other major podcasting platforms. Simply open your podcasting app of choice, type Movie Nights Roundtable into the search, and look for that big yellow logo, and vice versa. If you're listening to us audio-only, please go to YouTube, type in the Movie Nights, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and you can catch us there as well. Now... Let's move on to the box office. The box office. And the numbers have just posted. Oh, what a coinkadink. We really have been timing that pretty good. So they they go, they go up like 11 to 12 yeah. pretty much. Unless like like for Avatar, yeah. it's going to be at night. Oh, like yeah. like the big ones, they'll... Okay. While we might not be able to report on the numbers, yeah. I feel like we can safely put that at number one, probably, though. Probably, yeah. It's probably going to be number one next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Let's go through the top five box office last weekend. Coming in in first place, making $11.1 million, was Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Coming in second place in its second weekend, dropping only 35%, Violent Night, making making $8.7 million. Coming, <laughs> coming in third was Strange World, making $3.6 million. Coming in fourth was The Menu, making $2.7 million, staying there in the top five. And coming in fifth was devotion making two million dollars how did that pair up to our predictions um we got the five right just not in the right <laughs> not order in the right order <laughs> um so to mimic both of ours you and i both had black panther violent night the menu as one two three damn so we both did very well on one and two um you had three four five being the menu devotion strange world so you actually had strange world coming in last fifth, yeah fifth it had a only 29% drop last week. Oh, wow. Yeah. Honestly, I'm going to wait Disney Plus on that one, I've decided. Yeah, well, that's what they want us to do. That's what they taught us to do. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So why would I go see it in theaters? Yeah. Um, I had the menu, Strange World, and uh, Devotion. So I only just ended, had to flip uh, four and three. Damn. Almost had it, homie. Almost had it. You know, that's why we do these things. That is. I'm going to dive into the numbers a little bit more here. Black yes. Panther, Wakanda Forever at the worldwide box office has made a 767 million dollars it probably will not get to a billion but you're definitely looking at 800 million 800 to 900 million which is still a pretty baller run for them Mm -hmm. uh let's see what else here violent night worldwide box office total so far is 41 million dollars I got to look at the budget of that real quick. While he's doing that, something that I've just noticed as I'm editing our uh, little document here, mm-hmm. it was a repeat top five. And we said last week, you know, this could be a repeat top yeah, five. Right? Wakanda Forever, Violent Nights, Strange yeah. World, Menu Devotion. Yeah. yeah. Repeat top five. This saves Nick some editing time. Yes. And I should have. Yeah. I Last week I said, you know, I could see a repeat. Yeah. And it didn't happen. But anyway, 
Uh, Violent Nights has a budget of $20 million, and it's made 41 worldwide. So already at double. So that's probably going to be on its way to profitability. Thank God. And uh, Strange World, uh, worldwide total, is $53 million. Uh, not great. I think it was like 180 around 180 that cost. Uh, the Menu... Now it's a worldwide box office of $57 million. What was the menu's budget? Menu's budget was $30 million, and it's at 57 So it's it's doing pretty good. It's almost at uh, double there. Uh, might not be completely profitable, but it also didn't have crazy marketing. So we'll see with that one. And coming in fifth, Devotion, making $2 million, has only 17 worldwide. That costs like, I think, 60 or 70 So... How's that been doing, like, critically? I haven't seen anything it's on been it. It's really. been okay. Yeah. Critically, yeah. Apparently, really great performance. This is what kind of holds it. You mean Jonathan Majors gave a good performance in a movie? Crazy, right? What? Can you believe it? He's he's an unbelievable actor. Like, And I, I'm, I'm excited for Creed 3. I'm excited for Ant-Man 2. All that shit. Bring it on. But, yes. Yeah, so, now let's have some real fun. Predictions? Let's predict next week. Well, I went ahead and just wrote mine out, too, real quick while we were talking the numbers here. Mm-hmm. Um, something I do want to point out that's really interesting. Wasn't Shazam 2 originally coming out this week as well? I think so. Straight up against Avatar? Yes. Yes, that's right. That is right. Smart move to move it. Yeah, uh, genius move. Especially given all the uh, online acclaim that the first reactions to Avatar have been getting. Uh, yeah. Um, so coming in at first, I'm going to put Avatar Way of Water. Good call. Safe bet, right? Yep. Uh, Second place, I'm going to put Black Panther. Okay. Third place, I'm going to put Violent Night. Okay. Uh, Fourth place, I'm going to put Strange World. And fifth place, I'm going to put The Menu. All right. Nothing else is coming out against Avatar, right? That could creep in. There are two things coming out. What's coming out? One is Empire of Light, the new Sam Mendes film with Olivia Colman. Okay. And shot by Roger Deakins. I I have to bring that up every time a movie is shot by Roger Deakins. And also coming out is Spoiler Alert, the new rom-com with Jim Parsons, and um, I forget the other actor's name. It's, uh, yeah, that's also releasing. I don't think Empire of Light's going to crack the top five, just because the marketing's been bad. And surprisingly, the reviews have been terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, terrible. Which, I'm, gonna, I'm still going to go watch that movie, because I almost don't believe it. I'm like, nope, I don't believe you. I'm going to go watch the movie and see if it's good. Spoiler Alert, I think, might get in there, because it is the holidays also. So here's my... Yeah. predictions for the top five i'm gonna keep mine okay i think i'm gonna keep mine here's mine number one avatar the way of water number two black panther wakanda forever number three violent night number four spoiler alert Number five of the menu. All right. Solid choices. Mm-hmm. Solid choices. So you think that... You think Strange World is getting the big drop here? I do. And Spoiler Alert did open in limited release uh-huh. last weekend, but I think it goes wide, wider okay. This with Avatar is as the, counter-programming. Is the whale getting li- uh, wide? I don't think it's getting too, uh, too too wide of a release at all. Mm, dang. Yeah. I'll have to check the NZM. Maybe they got it. Oh, maybe. They'll probably play it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but those are our predictions for the top five 
box office. And thank you for listening to the box office numbers. I love doing that on the show. Mm -hmm. And boy, oh boy, do we have a hell of a movie review for you. We have something. (laughs) And I, I want Nick to introduce it. Introduce our movie review, buddy. Dalton and I saw Violent Night. Fuck yeah, we did. The new David Harbour movie. Where he plays Santa Claus uh-huh. from the producers and teams behind uh, the John Wick series. Uh-huh. Behind, I assume that translates to Atomic Blonde as well. Probably. And uh, Nobody, which is great. I feel like no one talks about Nobody. Nobody is great. Watch Nobody. Um, comes a Santa Claus R-rated action movie. Yeah, starring David Harbour as Santa Claus. Yeah. And Dalton, what were your thoughts on this? I like the movie. <laughs> I do. And here's what's funny. I think Nick and I were seemingly the only people in the friend group to like the movie. Although I don't think Mauricio hated the movie either. I think he had fun with it too. Mm-hmm. Um, Hannah also really liked the movie. But when she got into the friend group, everyone else was trashing it sh- so hard that she told me after. She goes, I just didn't say anything. <laughs> Tell her to speak up more. I try. <laughs> we need the help. I know. <laughs> we but, need numbers. But listen, I had a lot of fun with this movie. Now, is this movie perfect? No. Mm-hmm. And I think that for the reason why part of the movie is disappointing for me, I'm glad that we can have a rational conversation about the movie now because everyone else just would not listen to us when we tried to talk about it. But part of the movie I think is really, really smart in its comedy and what it does. And part of it I think is really, really dumb and it doesn't work. And it's that mix and match of work and not work that kind of brings the movie down. But overall, I thought it accomplished what it set out to accomplish and that's why I enjoyed it. One thing, for example... Uh, the having this be both a complete crazy Santa, it was a Viking type movie, to Hallmark Christmassy was a good idea. And there's parts of the Hallmarky stuff that's funny and works, but there's a lot of the Hallmarky Christmas stuff that does not work. And it comes across as very dumb. Mm-hmm. Although I love that they cast the mother from the vacation movies to play the uh, rich woman in this movie. That's genius. Oh, Loved good, it. Yeah, that was good casting. Yes, also, the only good. Ca- well, that and David Harbor. Yeah, yeah. The, a lot of the performances, other than David Harbor and the lead, like Eris, were were not great. Mm-hmm. Um, even John, while John Leguizamo was having the time of his life, I didn't enjoy his performance very much. Um, that whole thing of it being like a diehard Home Alone type movie, I thought worked very well, mm-hmm. especially when they were giving each other code names and they were setting it up for what John Leguizamo's code name is. And I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it's it was set up beautifully. I think when they started that scene, I was sitting next to Mauricio and I just started like hitting him like, he's going to be, he's going to be, he's going to be. And then they'd really, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. But um, another thing that I thought was actually real, I thought like honestly was the best part of the movie were the conversations between Santa Claus and the young girl over the radios. Mm-hmm. I thought those scenes were excellent and really well done, personally. Not only issue, I didn't like the kid actress. Now, well, I'm not a big kid, kid actor. Here's, like here's what I'll say about the kid actress or mm-hmm. the kid actor. For being in an overwhelming majority of this movie, they didn't bring it down as much as like the kid from Black Adam did. Yeah. You know, and that kid was in like five scenes. And every time he was on screen, I was like, get him off. Mm-hmm. While this kid, and I feel bad for this kid because they were playing younger. I feel like they were older than what they were playing. Yeah. And they tried. It didn't always work. Most kid performances don't work. It's rare that you get, that's why kid actors that are great get a lot of attention because it, you don't see it very often. Mm-hmm. But I do agree that it kind of hindered the film a bit. The action scenes were hit and miss for me. 
I thought some of the action scenes were fucking excellent. And I thought some of the choreography and some of them was a bit off. And what I mean by that is everyone will storm the room with guns and nobody will shoot their gun. Mm -hmm. If you just have them not bring guns, you don't question why don't they have guns. But if they have guns, shoot the guns. Like it's, it's not a, you know, like that's why like John Wick and stuff. If someone has guns, it's a pistol and it's a quick do do and then it's done. Or you'll have movies like uh, the old Hong Kong action films where the bad guys just won't have guns and it becomes a fist fight and you don't question it because you're just like, oh, they don't have guns. Yeah. But like if you have them, aren't you shooting them? Like like stuff like that would bother me a bit. Overall, the action I really enjoyed because it's very violent and I loved it. How <laughs> there's a death scene involving a chimney that is fucking awesome. <laughs> it is so great. But like. So the movie sets out to be this fun, satirical, comedy, violent action movie with some character building for their their version of Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. And in that, it achieves all of those goals. However, it also tries to be a Hallmark parody. It also tries to tell a family story about uh, the meaning of Christmas. I thought all of that did not work. I did not give a shit about the, the lead family in this yeah. movie. Did not care one bit. <coughs> Would have benefited from being eliminated from the movie entirely. And also from a scripting standpoint, there's something that involves money and what happens to money. I thought that was dumb as fuck. I thought that was so stupid. I think that the movie... I I think the movie read the line... Like, I don't necessarily think they... I think one of the points you made about them making, like, homage to Die Hard and Mm -hmm. um, Home Alone, I think it was kind of more just copying. Like, I don't think it was... Like, I think it was they were referencing it because they're Christmas themed. I don't think it was like out of a love for those. The, I, I so, uh, okay. I'll yeah. let you finish. Oh, what was that? Like, um, if they were going to go to the levels that they did with some of the mirroring of those movies, mm-hmm. I almost would have wished if like, you just made me feel so bad for this kid that it was like home alone. Mm-hmm. And it was just Santa and the kid in the house that gets like, robbed yeah and there was no family element like it's just santa and this kid just like Mm -hmm. him trying to protect the kid and i feel like that added a lot of that would add a lot of sympathy for that kid character because the kid character i didn't feel like sad for Mm -hmm. at any point i was like "Mm, yes her house is getting robbed that's shitty Mm -hmm. but i'm not like she has comes from a very wealthy family yeah she like the only thing did was like she came from a divorce household yeah and it was like Mm, yes i understand that Mm -hmm. but at the same time and and that's where they try to play those hallmark um like um what's the word i'm looking for um tropes yeah that's where they yeah but like if you have this kid who's like this girl who's like family forgot her Mm -hmm. and it's like christmas day and she's home alone and sure she's rich but then the house gets robbed because they think the house is empty home alone Yeah. yeah but then have santa into it yeah but instead it just felt like more like I'll, that's a great idea. I'll meet you halfway yeah. and say that the Home Alone one, the Home Alone homage, did not work as well as the Die Hard homage. Because I think that with the Die Hard one, it literally was, they had walkie-talkies, they infiltrated, yeah. and there's a sequence in which that builds up to the protagonist talking to the antagonist on the radio. And they even do line-for-line stuff from Die Hard. And I'm yeah. like, okay, this is fun. Like, what they're doing that with was- Santa Claus. Home now, Alone felt more of a ripoff. Home Alone felt ripoff, but it was let's make Home Alone what it's supposed to be, which is R-rated. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. Like especially there's a sequence with a nail that is fucking nasty. And uh go ahead. 
here, here's what I'll say about the movie overall, and it's that weird balance of is it a good movie or a bad movie, a fun movie? How does that yeah. spectrum work? What I'll say for me personally, I don't think that on a page it is a good movie. Mm-hmm. I think it has a lot of script issues. I think it plays with a lot of tropes. I agree with you. Right? I think that David Harbour gave a good performance as Santa. He mm-hmm. was very fun. And it was a fun movie. Was it very predictable? Yes. yes. Did I guess the bad guy's code name? Yes. When they showed a candy cane, did I go, mm, yes, he's going to suck on that and make a shiv and stab someone? Yeah. And he does. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. Um. And am I basic for liking the concept of just kills but them being Christmas? Like, instead of having, like, you know, like, the wire, like, throat cut, it's yeah. garland. Yeah. Is that... That's fun. It's, it's just amazing. fun. You know, is it stupid? Yes. Is it bad? Yes. Is it fun to watch around Christmas time? But yes. I would argue that the movie knew exactly that. Like it, it, at and points. It, and it did, yes, at points. And when it didn't know that, that's mm-hmm. when the movie suffered, which mm-hmm. is what I fully agree on Mm -hmm. there are times where it doesn't know it's being bad like the whole family storyline they thought that that was an interesting story and it is not but everything else i feel like the movie knew exactly what it was doing knew exactly it wants you to predict the garland it wants you to predict the shiv and like because and this is just something that i've said on the show before Mm -hmm. that i've never understood as a criticism of movies is movies being predictable Mm -hmm. because it's like predict just because you think like oh this is gonna happen and it happens, that doesn't make it bad. It's how they present it happening. Depending on the thing. And sometimes they want you to get ahead of a story. And they want you to, like, think that. Like, for example, when Andrew Garfield shows up in No Way Home, they want you to go, holy fuck, Toby's coming. Mm -hmm. Like, and now if I watched that movie and said, well, that was predictable, you'd be like, really? Fuck you. Like, they they wanted you to know that that was coming. They wanted you to know Toby was coming. And it was predictable, but it wasn't bad. Well, I think it's also the the thing of, like, if I'm watching, like, let's say a murder mystery, and I guess the killer. And, I like, if I watch, obviously Knives Out turns a lot of the tropes on its head. Let's take, like, the Agatha Christie ones that Kenneth Branagh's doing. Mm-hmm. If I watch that movie, and I immediately guess who the killer is. Yeah. The movie doesn't want me to do that. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's, right? And I think it also comes down to, like, enjoyment. Like, I saw the candy cane. And I don't know for a fact that he's going to suck on it and make a shiv, but I'm yeah. like, it's a Santa action movie. I mm-hmm. hope he sucks on it, makes it a shiv, and stabs someone. Yeah. And he does that, and I'm like, mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's, and, and I, it's I, that balance. I would even argue with the whodunit of, if you guess it, yeah, but the movie reveals it in a way that's sound script-wise, mm-hmm. that has a build-up that you like seeing, to me, like that's not a negative of the movie then. Mm. you know what i mean like just because you guessed it like it could be any of them if you guessed it right you know what i mean we can go on a jigsaw tangent here but we oh won't. <laughs> we really could um but uh but yeah honestly i think where i kind of end up on the movie mm-hmm. is i'm happy david harbour's doing well yeah and i think it had some cool kills in it mm-hmm. i I think I would rewatch it on like a streaming service maybe around this time if yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, it's Violent Night. I'm getting the 4K. Like, I don't know if I would <laughs> recommend people to go see it in theaters. I would. I would. I'd say and, it's a wait for stream. And it only has but a, recommend. Though. And it only has a 35% drop. So that means word of mouth is That's going. Pretty good. And um, I think that the movie could have been better. 
And I and no, I don't mean scrap the whole idea, which I know some people want. Kyler is thinking like, should have just never happened. Whatever, Ashley, fucking a. But like that, you're gonna get some very mean texts from them when they watch. This. Oh, I know. <laughs> they 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 text me mean regardless. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But anyway, that's not what I mean. I do think that this idea was not a hundred percent executed to perfection. You know what I bet it was? Hmm. I bet that they obviously it's a Christmas movie, so they want it to come around this time. Yeah. They didn't give them the time to do like two more passes on the script. I agree. I 100% agree. Yeah. But I think that the parody, this idea, mostly worked. Mm. And there are elements where it doesn't work. And when it doesn't work, it really stands out. But I think it mostly works. And, like, to me, the perf- one, of the, one of the most perfect satirical knows exactly what it is movies is Shoot 'em Up. I haven't seen Shoot 'em Up. Oh, my God. Is that Guy Ritchie? No. no who did Shoot 'em Up? I don't remember the direction. And by the way... The Indian's getting the whale on the 21st, it looks like. But, um, hold on. Shoot him up. Shoot him up. I don't think I've seen Shoot him up. Dude. It's so good. Uh, his name is Michael Davis. Okay. I might show you just the opening scene of Shoot him up, mm-hmm. just so that you're like, I have to watch this movie now. Um, yes. So, Shoot him up. Perfect example perfect example of a movie that knows exactly what it is and does the tropes to perfection does everything to perfection exactly how you want it Mm -hmm. but it also makes sense story-wise yeah this is not as good as that Mm -hmm. but you know i i normally i don't do it really much anymore publicly but i usually give grades to movies i would probably give violent night like a b minus okay like that's exactly how i feel about it for what it was going for you know? I'd go, I'm going recommend, but I think you can wait for, for home release on it, personally. I think you should go see it in the theater, just because I think that way about every movie. <laughs> um, but it is a recommend. Yeah. Also, speaking of Kyler earlier, um, if you want to check out Kyler's review on the movie, who was on the show a few weeks mm-hmm. ago, um, please go to his YouTube and Twitch, which I'll try to remember to leave in the description below. He did leave his personal review of Violent Night, and uh, it's entertaining to say the least so <laughs> go ahead and check that one out as well he feels very differently from nick and i uh but yes uh i believe that's all we have for the show today correct um yes i believe so awesome well guys before we go however if you like what you heard today and you want to hear more don't forget to subscribe to the official movie nights youtube channel for weekly shows and movie reviews and on that audio listeners you know give us a follow and a rating if it lets you uh rate us and you can also check us out on our social media channels where we post updates, short video clips, and more. Those can be found in the video description, if I remember. Thank you guys so much for watching, and we'll see you next week.